1: And now, Mystery Theater. Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. Come in. Settle down and listen. Well, we're about to tell you a very important story. Have you ever looked at your children and wondered, what in the world are they thinking? What goes on in those tiny minds? You don't know, do you? Admit it, you haven't the faintest idea. Yet, you were once a child. So why don't you know? I'll tell you why. You have forgotten... And try as you will, you simply cannot remember what it was like to be a child. I don't know the reason for this, but perhaps it's because being a child is not always the happy thing we think it is. Didn't you mind being shut up in that dark room, Bobby, all by yourself for such a long time?
2: Was it a long time?
1: Three weeks.
2: Is that a long time?
1: What did you do, Bobby, all alone there?
2: Oh. Listen to the silence. Talk to the dark.
1: Our mystery drama, The Secret Life of Bobby DeLand, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Elspeth Eric and stars Michael Tolan. We said earlier that this story is an important one. Not because our small hero is an important figure. A boy of ten? How much time has he had to achieve importance in our world? No, we call our story important because it is our attempt to explore the inner life of one small child. An attempt which we admit may be awkward and incomplete because we have grown up, and in growing up, grown stupid.
3: All right now, children, children,
0: playtime's over. Everybody inside. Go with Miss Hamill and Mr. Garth. <laughs> now we can talk better. Well, Mr. Collins, have you finally made up your mind about adoption?
1: I uh, I don't know that we want to go that far, Mrs. Appleton. Not not just yet. You see, I thought if my wife and I could take one of the children home for, uh, for a month, two months, see how it worked out. You see, our our son died in an automobile accident a year ago. And Mrs. Carlin hasn't been really right since. Depressed, migraine, headaches. Spends a good deal of time in bed. And I thought if there were a boy around the house, it might help her. Help me, too.
0: You've been here several times, You've met all our children.
1: There's... there's one. I believe his name is Bobby. About ten years old.
0: Bobby Deland?
1: That's the one. I... I looked for him today when I was walking around the playground. I didn't see him. He's... he's still here, isn't he?
0: Bobby's still here. Oh,
1: thank goodness. He's such an unusual boy. I'm surprised he wasn't asked for before this.
0: He was. Uh, last year... It didn't work out. Can you tell me why? I can do better than that. I have a tape of the interview with the lady who... tried to give him a home. It's a practice here to make tapes of the conversations with prospective parents. It saves confusion, possible embarrassment later, uh, if there's trouble... Oh, you're being taped right this minute, Mr. Carlin. I hope you don't mind.
1: No, no, not at all. No.
0: Now, look, I, I won't play it all for you. Just the part that concerns us now.
3: And, and, and we did everything we could think of to make Bobby happy, Mrs. Appleton. He seemed happy. There wasn't any way we could guess that he didn't like it with us. And, and then, then to wake up one
0: morning and and, and he was gone simply gone. I'm sure you did everything you could. Oh, oh, we did. And he seemed to like
3: us. Of course, he's naturally so sweet, so good, except for the stealing.
0: The what? The stealing? Oh, uh, look, I I I shouldn't call it stealing.
2: We'd find little things missing, little nothings. Once it was a frying pan A wooden spoon one time. Oh, we found them later uh, in his room. Once he took the belt from one of my dresses. A leather belt. Not that I cared.
0: That's enough of that. But I should tell you, Bobby's been guilty of petty pilferage like that here at the orphanage. A hairbrush belonging to one of the teachers.
1: Where, Where did he go when he ran away?
0: Well, the police found him that same night, wandering along a country road. There was a full moon. They had no trouble. And when the woman came to pick him up, he wouldn't talk to her. Wouldn't even see her. Didn't seem to hold anything against her. He just said it was no use. No use? It's what he always says. Before? Several times during the last couple of years. Look, I'm telling you all this to let you know that if you take Bobby into your home, you're not getting the... Well... The usual child.
1: No child is the usual child, Mrs. Appleton.
0: Well, shall we go and have a talk with him? See how he feels about all this? By all means. Oh. Oh, I should tell you, Bobby's in confinement.
1: You don't mean solitary He's
0: confined to one room without lights or windows. I know that sounds severe, but... It does. We've tried everything else. Even corporal punishment, though that's prohibited by law. It didn't do any good. He doesn't seem to feel it. How
1: long has he been confined?
0: Oh, nearly three weeks now.
1: Mrs. Appleton, 24 days is supposed to be the limit before the victim goes mad. That's been established in prisons with grown men. Bobby's a boy. A most
0: unusual boy. Shall we go talk to him? Please. This way.
1: Uh... Mrs. Appleton, may I ask you, what is Bobby being punished for? What did he do?
0: Oh, didn't I tell you? He ran away from the orphanage. That's the only thing he ever needs to be punished for, uh, running away. Mrs. Appleton,
1: when Bobby ran away from here, was it at night?
0: Middle of the night, as near as we could tell. Oh, here we are.
1: Was there a full moon that night?
0: I don't recall. Does it matter? It might. Oh, here's my key. Bobby? It's Mrs. Appleton, Bobby.
2: Yes, Mrs. Appleton.
0: He's all right. You can come out now, Bobby. The door's open. Can you see? Yes, I can see Mrs. Appleton.
1: Does the light bother your eyes?
2: Not very much. You remember Mr.
0: Carlin, Bobby. It's nice to see you.
1: I'm very well, Bobby. Thank you.
0: I'm going back to the office now, and you two can have a nice talk. Thank you. You can join me there later, Mr. Colin.
1: Well, Bobby, I'm... I'm pleased you remember me. Didn't you mind being shut up in that dark room all by yourself for such a long time?
2: Was it a long time?
1: Three weeks.
2: Is that a long time?
1: What did you do all alone in there?
2: Oh, I listened to the silence, talked to the dark.
1: I see. Would you like to come and stay with me and my wife for a while? See if you like it. We have a big house.
2: A very big house?
1: <laughs> well, pretty big.
2: With servants?
1: We have servants, yes.
2: And beautiful gardens and a big green lawn.
1: Well, does it matter if it's a big house with a lawn?
2: A big white house.
1: And servants, does that matter?
2: I don't know. I thought it did. I could sort of see it.
1: Well, what do you say? Would you like to visit with us for a while?
2: I think I would.
1: There's a good school nearby if you'd like to go. I'm
2: tired of memorizing things. Well,
1: whatever you say. Now, why don't you go pack some clothes, and I'll go see Mrs. Appleton in her office and make the arrangements. Mm -hmm.
0: Come
1: in. Mrs. Appleton, that's a remarkable child.
0: Oh, uh, close the door, will you, Mr. Carlin? Oh, yes. You've persuaded him?
1: I'm convinced the reason Bobby can endure, even enjoy three weeks of confinement, is because he's able to hypnotize himself. And not only hypnotize himself, but put himself into a deep trance. Almost anyone can be hypnotized, but only one in 20 can hypnotize himself. And I've never heard of anyone who could put himself into a deep trance state.
0: Well, supposing he can, what's the advantage of it?
1: Why, it means that he can reach his unconscious mind. And perhaps unite it with his consciousness. A terribly difficult thing to do. And to do it alone, without any outside help, I...
0: I never thought it was possible. Well, supposing he can do whatever it is you say he can, what of it?
1: Mrs. Appleton, do you know what powers are locked in the unconscious
0: What forces, what instinctive knowledge, primitive memory? I've always thought of the subconscious as an untidy mass of very unpleasant emotions. It is
1: untidy, but we've been taught the emotions are unpleasant because they lack morality and purpose, as indeed they do. Their only purpose being to express themselves.
0: Most of us manage to live without expressing ourselves, Mr. Cole. Yes,
1: but supposing you find one solitary human being who refuses to live that way.
0: You mean Bobby. Well, Mr. Collins, if he's willing to go with you and you want him, I've checked you out and everything's in order. Oh, one thing, Mr. Carlin, I hope you're not going to talk to Bobby about his mother.
1: Why not? Why shouldn't he talk about his mother if he wants to?
0: Well, it's not really healthy in his case. He makes up outrageous stories about her. Such as what? Oh, that she was fantastically beautiful, that she married into royalty, a a prince or a duke. Our
1: children often fantasize that way.
0: Last year he told us that she was a movie star, imagine. (laughs) Who was she really? Oh, just a poor, pathetic woman on relief. I found that out from our records. I wasn't here when she brought him. That was six years ago. He was only four. They're unpleasant. The records say she simply couldn't afford to keep him.
1: She's never been back?
0: Never been back. Never called to see how he was getting along. Never sent him a present or even written him a note. Come in. Oh, Bobby. All packed to go home with, Mr. Carlin. He has a big white house, Mrs. Appleton, with
2: a big lawn and flowers and lots of servants. Haven't you, Mr. Carlin? Yes. I'm sorry about your wife.
1: What? What about my wife?
2: I'm sorry she's so unhappy. Didn't you tell me she's unhappy? And sick sometimes?
1: I I don't think I did.
2: You must have. Or how would I know?
1: Do we really know only what we've been told or what we've read or heard? I hate to believe that, because then each of us is only a jumbled mass of information. And very often, we go about spreading this jumbled information for others to pick up and repeat. No wonder the world is in such a turmoil. If all we know is what we've been told by people who only know what they've been told, who only know what... Oh, no, no. No, there must be more. We can't go on this way. However having no solution at hand, I shall return shortly with Act Two. When one adopts a boy ten years old, it is not only the ten-year-old boy who has been taken into the new home... It is also the boy who was once nine, once eight, once seven, and so on. Clear back to the day an infant was born. And these early years are unknown, utterly unknown to the new parents. Just how unknown they are to the child is the subject of our story. We're almost there, Bobby. I know. You know?
2: Well, I figured.
1: You mean you felt it? That we were almost there?
2: Something like that, I guess.
1: Mental telepathy,
2: maybe? What's that? Well, thought
1: transference. I was thinking to myself, we're almost home, and the thought transferred itself to your mind. Is that what happened?
2: I wasn't thinking about anything at all.
1: It's when we're not thinking about anything at all that the thoughts of other people enter our minds.
2: I'd like to think about that. Well... I think that's very true what you said, Mr. Carlin. It's when you're not thinking about anything at all. That's when the good things happen.
1: What good things, Bobby?
2: Oh, all the good things. Mr. Carlin, you should have turned right there.
1: No, no, that's Birch Tree Road. We live on a You should have
2: turned there. Go back.
1: Now, Bobby, Bobby, take it easy. Go back. Bobby, I know where I live and I know how to get there. Your telepathy wasn't in good working order that time. Now, here is where we turn. To the left. We go about a quarter of a mile up this road, and then we're there.
2: It's pretty.
1: Is it what you expected?
2: Kind of. It smells nice.
1: You smell something?
2: It smells sweet. Very, very sweet.
1: I don't smell anything. Oh, we're coming to the Privet Hedge. That's the sweet smell. Imagine you picking it up way back there. Now we're coming to the house.
2: It is white.
1: I told you it was.
2: And there's a lawn in front with flowers.
1: I told you there would be. Well, here we are.
2: But it's not a very big house.
1: It has 16 rooms.
2: And where are all the servants?
1: Did you sleep well in your new room, Bobby?
2: Yes, I did. It's a very nice room.
1: Nicer than the orphanage?
2: That was nice. But this is nicer.
1: This morning, Bobby, I I want to take you to meet my wife. Her name is Anita, if you want to call her that. I think I should tell you she gets migraine headaches from time to time.
2: I know. I knew she was sick sometimes. I think she's sick now.
1: (laughs) No, she's not. I saw her this morning. She was fine. Come on. Let's go upstairs.
2: Okay. It's not very nice to be sick like that, is it?
1: No, it certainly is not.
2: I used to have asthma. That was terrible.
1: What did you used to do about it?
2: Oh, I made it stop.
1: Made it stop? Just like that?
2: Sort of. It was a long time ago.
1: Here we are. Anita, may we come in, dear? Anita, this this is Bobby.
3: Go away, please. She's sick.
1: My dear, is it another migraine? Please. I can't... Bobby. I can't. Bobby, we'd better come back later. She's sick. You'll meet her tomorrow. Come on.
2: Mrs. Carlin, I'm here. I know how much it hurts, but I want you to know I'm here. And I want it to stop hurting. Please. Try to look at me, Mrs. Carlin. Bobby,
1: don't. When when she's like this, it's no use.
2: I want you to give me your headache, Mrs. Carlin. I want you to give it to me. Look, Mrs. Carlin. Anita, look. Give me your headache. I want to take it away from you. I'm going to take it away from you. Do you hear me? I'm going to take it. You're going to give it to me. I'm going to take it. Yes, I'm taking it. You're giving it to me. You're giving me your headache, aren't you? Yes, you are. I know you are. Please oh. give it to me. All of it. Yes. Oh, please. Oh. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 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 All gone.
1: Bobby? Bobby, where are you going?
2: It's all right. All right. Bobby? I I couldn't help Mr. Carlin. I I had to throw
1: up. Well, that's all right, son. That's all right.
2: How is Mrs. Carlin?
1: She says her headache is gone.
2: Yes. Of course it's gone. She gave it to me. And how are you? I think I'm going to be all right. Pretty soon. I never knew before what a migraine headache was like. Now I know.
1: Mrs. Appleton speaking. This is George Carlin, Mrs. Appleton. I've got great news for you.
0: Everything's working out?
1: Three weeks now, and everything's going wonderfully. He seems very happy here, and heaven knows he's made us happy. My wife hasn't had another headache since that time I wrote you about when Bobby cured her. Do you
0: think he really did?
1: Well, he did something to Mrs. Carlin. Perhaps he hypnotized her. I don't know. But her headache stopped. I was there. I saw it happen.
0: Well, I have to take your word for it, Mr. Carlin. Uh, has he stolen anything that you
1: know of? Uh, no, I, I don't think so.
0: Well, you'd better check.
1: There's a belt of mine missing, but I'm sure I must have mislaid it. Look in his room. No, I wouldn't dream of doing that. The boy is happy here, and we're happy having him here.
0: Has he talked about his mother?
1: No, he hasn't mentioned her.
0: Well, my advice is to keep it that way.
1: I don't think I agree with that, Mrs. Appleton.
0: You know what I told you. All you'll get from him is a lot of wild fantasy.
1: At this point, I feel I'd like to hear anything Bobby cares to tell me.
0: Well, if you don't want to take my advice. No,
1: it's not that, Mrs. Appleton. It's that for the time being, I'd sort of like to follow my own instincts. You understand?
0: I suppose so.
1: I'll keep in touch with you.
0: Please do. Good luck to you.
1: Thank you. Oh, Bobby, I I didn't hear you come in. Uh, That was Mrs. Appleton I was talking to on the phone. How is she? She's fine. Do you
2: miss her? Not too much.
1: Bobby, you know that black tooled leather belt of mine?
2: Yes, I know that belt.
1: I can't find it. Have you seen it?
2: It's in my room.
1: Well, did I leave it there, do you think?
2: I don't know. I don't think so.
1: By any chance, Bobby, did you take it out of my room?
2: I think... I guess I did. I'm pretty sure I did. You want me to go get it? Well,
1: you can have it if you really want it. Only I'd rather you'd ask me instead of just taking it.
2: But I don't want it. No. It's too big for me. Why would I want it?
1: I I don't know.
2: I just saw it, and it reminded me of something.
1: Reminded you of what?
2: I was going to give it back to you. I didn't mean to keep it. I didn't even want it.
1: All right, all right now. It's all right. Just put it back in my room when you get a chance, will you?
2: I'll put it right back now. Now in
1: the morning we'll be all right. Bobby, do you ever feel you want to talk to me about your mother? My mother. Do you remember her at all? I know you were only four when she left you at the orphanage.
2: She was very, very beautiful. What else? I'm not supposed to talk about my mother.
1: Well, don't you want to?
2: Not now, Mr. Carlin. All right.
1: But if you ever want to, I'm here, you know.
2: I know.
3: George. George. Hmm? Oh, what are you doing up? Can't you sleep?
1: Not for hours.
3: Oh, the moon is so bright. I don't wonder.
1: No, it's not just the moon. I, I was thinking about Bobby.
3: Oh, funny. I was thinking about him, too.
1: I talked to Mrs. Appleton this afternoon. She asked me, did Bobby ever talk about his mother?
3: He never does.
1: That's what I told her. And she said, fine, keep it that way. But I said I didn't agree, that I thought he should talk about whatever he felt like talking about.
3: Oh, you're absolutely right.
1: Bobby came into the room about that time, and I brought up the subject of his mother. And all he'd say was, she was very, very, very beautiful.
3: That's
1: all? I tried to get him to go on, but he just clammed up, said I'm not supposed to talk about her.
3: Mrs. Appleton probably told him not
1: to. She has a point in a way. She says Bobby makes up wild stories about his mother, whom he hasn't seen or even heard from in six years.
2: You mean since he was four?
0: That's
1: right. But he tells people, or used to, that she had dozens of admirers, finally married some title gen, became a movie star.
0: Oh, George.
3: Our children often do that.
1: Another thing, Mrs. Appleton asked me if Bobby had snitched anything. And I told her about my black tooled leather belt. Then when Bobby came in, I asked him if he'd seen it, and right away he said yes, it was in his room.
2: Really?
1: I asked him if he'd taken it, and he said he guessed he must have. Did I want it back? It was too big for him anyway.
3: Isn't that peculiar?
1: You know, I told you the woman who took him last year said he snitched silly things. A frying pan, a wooden spoon, a belt off one of her dresses.
3: Oh. (laughs) Now, I wonder if that's where our little frying pan disappeared to. They were asking me in the kitchen if I'd seen it.
1: What, there's a frying
3: pan missing? Heavens, George, we we have about 12 frying pans of assorted sizes.
1: Is there anything else missing?
3: No, nothing else.
1: Oh.
3: Oh, unless you want to say one of my shoes is missing.
1: One of your shoes?
3: Those high-heeled things. I, I'd given up high heels, and I put those out to give away. And next time I looked, there was only one. Must have gotten thrown out. Goodness, it would take one shoe.
1: Who would throw away one shoe?
3: Oh, George, look, come on back to bed. Maybe you can get to sleep. Yeah, maybe. That damn moon wasn't so bright. Shines right across the bed. Why don't you pull the curtains?
1: You know what? It's a full moon.
3: Well, pull the curtains and and come to bed. (sighs) Can you see or do you want a light on?
1: Oh, I can see. What was that? What was what? Didn't you hear a door close?
3: What door?
1: It sounded like downstairs. There he goes. Bobby? Yes, and there's a full moon. George. Like before.
3: Call him back. Go after him, George. No.
1: No, I don't think I'm going to do that.
3: Well, for heaven's sakes, why not? You can't just let him go wandering around all by himself. No, I don't
1: think he's going to be just wandering around.
3: You think he's going someplace in particular? Yes. Where?
1: I don't know. And I don't think he knows either but someplace. As we are all going someplace, we don't know where, and there is no one who knows to tell us where, yet very deep in our minds, or our hearts, or our tormented souls. We know we are going someplace. We can't see ahead, and it does no good to look back. We can only trudge on down the road to someplace. I'll be back shortly with Act Three. The full moon with which Act Two ended has been wiped out now by the exploratory colors of the rising sun. And steadily down a winding road trudges a small boy, ten years of age, steadily, purposefully, toward a destination he could not name were you to ask him. It is Bobby Deland. The thin little boy's arms start to wave wildly as a truck approaches. What's up, kid?
2: Could you give me a lift?
1: How far are you going?
2: I don't know exactly. Down the road away. Come on.
1: Get in. Here, let me give you a hand. That's a pretty big step up. I can do it. What you doing out at this hour? It's hardly daylight.
2: I have to go see somebody.
1: You expected? Uh
2: Yes, I'm expected. I didn't say when, though.
1: I'm going to see your folks...
2: My mother.
1: Oh, your mother. Then I guess you know where she's at.
2: Somewhere along this road.
1: No number? No name? Like on a mailbox?
2: I'll know when we get there.
1: You've been there before, I guess.
2: It's a great big white house with a big green lawn and flowers.
1: I think I know the place you mean.
2: And lots and lots of servants. Yeah. There it is. There it is. See? Right there. Stop! I want to get out! Stop the truck! I'll stop! And
3: it
1: don't jump! Hold on, I'm stopping! Now, wait a second, kid. Thanks! Thanks a lot! Hey! You had no go in there! Hey, you know what you're doing? You had no idea...
2: are the flowers, but
0: where are the servants? Where's my mother? You want to sit here, Baroness, under this tree? Is that all right? I'll fetch you some coffee and I'll be right back.
2: Excuse me, are you my mother's maid? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Will you tell her I've come to see her, please? If she, if she feels well enough to see me. What's your name, Bobby Dealand? Would you tell my mother? And how did you get in here, Bobby? Somebody dropped me off. Before, I'd been waiting till I saw the servants come out of the house. Now, please, I'd like to see my mother. You mean that
0: lady over there? Yes, my mother. Oh, I'm afraid that's not your mother, dear. That's the Baroness Horsa. Well, her name before was Mrs.
2: Dillon. Please tell her I want to see her. Oh, never mind. I'll oh, hold on,
0: now. Just a minute. Let go. Let me not go. Not so fast, young man. Let go of me.
2: Miss Copeland,
1: what's going on? Oh, it's
0: this boy. He wandered in here. He wants to talk to the Baroness. He's her son, he says.
1: Well, then let him.
0: Should I, Doctor?
1: Why not? He may succeed where we failed. Go ahead, my boy.
2: Thank you. Hello,
1: Mother. I'm here. Uh, Hello, Mrs. Appleton? George Carlin. I wanted to tell you Bobby's been found. Thank you for not calling the police. Well, you know, I told you I saw him leave the house. I simply followed him in my car. It wasn't hard, so don't worry. What's that? Well, uh, I don't think that's necessary, but if you want to... Look, can't you tell me over the phone? Well, all right. No, no, I'm not at home. I'm at the place where I found Bobby. It's on Birch Tree Road, not too far from where I live. A big white house, very big. Big lawn out in front. It's the Wesley Sanitarium. You know it? Well, I'm with Dr. Wesley right now. All right, we'll expect you. Mrs. Appleton's coming over, if that's all right, doctor perfectly all right. She wants to tell me something, show me something. I I don't know what. Tell me, Mr. Carlin, what made you think Bobby might come here? It was just a guess. But when I brought him home from the orphanage, he wanted to turn onto Birch Tree Road. Did he say why? He thought it was the road my house is on. Not that it had ever been at my house. All he knew about my house was that it was big and white, had a lawn with flowers and servants. He knew that because I told him. And I told him because he specifically asked. It seemed important to him, did it? Very. I was puzzled at that because he's not a snobbish sort of boy. Quite the contrary. That insistence on a lot of servants. Now I begin to understand. Your sanitarium does have a lot of servants. As well as a lawn and flowers. But the boy's never seen the sanitarium, has he? He hasn't even seen his mother since the age of four. Then how would he know? I suppose that when you think about, dream about a certain person for such a long time and fantasize about that person the way he did about his mother... What sort of fantasies? Oh, wild ones. That she was much admired, much sought after, that she married into royalty, became a movie oh, star. Oh, uh, hold on there. She did marry into royalty. You don't mean she's... Really a baroness. Yes, indeed. The baroness Hawthorne. Well, I thought that baroness stuff was, you know, part of her dementia. The baron brought her here. The baron pays her bills. He's not very high up in the royal lists, but he's a baron, nevertheless. The boy couldn't have known that. No more than he could have known Birch Tree Road. Now, about her becoming a movie star... Uh, The Baron told us that she made a motion picture a few years ago. Uh, Actually, that's where he met her. He put up the money. She starred in it. Well, that's impossible, isn't it? Someone would, would have known, seen the picture, recognized her. I don't know who saw the picture, Mr. Carlin. It was a pornographic film. No. The Baron has made a good bit of money on pornographic films, I'm told. She made the film? Starred in it. She married the Baron? He's devoted to her. Well, then what happened? About a year ago, she became uh, uh, severely depressed. It it went further, into melancholia. Finally, she became very nearly catatonic, and he brought her here. She won't talk to him when he comes to see her. Uh, She's never spoken to any of us. It was about a year ago, as I understand it, that Bobby began to talk about a big white house with a lawn and gardens, and a lot of servants. Could he have known that she'd been brought here? To a place he'd never seen? Didn't even know existed? It's a rare person who has a faculty uh, to sense what is going on. But if there is a great affinity between two people, I suppose a telepathic communication is... Well, it's possible. Was there such an affinity between Bobby and his mother? After all, she abandoned him when he was four and never communicated with him after that. Communicated with him? I'd say by all the evidence, she communicated with him the whole time they were apart. She may not have known she was communicating, but her son was, on the face of it, so sensitively attuned to her and her existence, he could pick up waves that emanated from her that she knew nothing about. Uh, Come in.
0: Dr. Wesley, I hope I did the right thing.
1: Uh, What's that?
0: Well, I left the little boy with the baroness. Is that all right?
1: I think so. The baroness has never shown the slightest sign of being violent. Uh, quite the contrary.
0: Well, she does seem interested in him. I mean, she looks at him.
1: Sounds like progress to me.
0: So then I should just leave them together. Where are they? In her room.
1: I'd say leave them together. Uh, but leave the door open.
0: Yes, doctor.
1: It will be astounding if she recognizes him, accepts him It could mean she's on her way back Dr. Wesley, this this faculty you talk about This rare ability to sense things What is it? It doesn't have a name Anyway, not a name that appears in scientific journals But some clairvoyants have it Some mystics have it Some saints, I suppose. Many poets have it. It's an ability to reach far into oneself, to make contact. Do you know the poem called The Labyrinth? W. H. Auden wrote it. There are four lines from it that I quote to myself all the time. The center that I cannot find is known to my unconscious mind. I have no reason to despair because I am already there. Nice, isn't it? What, what does it mean? Well, come, come, Mr. Carlin. You know very well what it means. That if we only go deep enough into ourselves, we will find the center that will, that will stabilize us? Is that it? Give us peace? Is that it? The peace... That passeth all understanding. Because I'm afraid understanding has very little to do with it. To think that a four-year-old boy could hold fast to the image of his mother through all those years. What else had he to hold fast to? And then find her by his own effort. Which only proves again, Mr. Carlin. We get what we want if we want it enough. Uh, come in. Mrs. Appleton.
0: I got here as soon as I could.
1: Uh, Mrs. Appleton, Dr. Wesley. Please sit down, Mrs. Appleton. Oh, thank you, doctor. Now, the boy's all right, Mrs. Appleton. You're not to worry. He's with his mother.
0: His mother?
1: He found her here, Mrs. Appleton. She's the reason for his running away all those times.
0: (sighs) Mr. Collins, Dr. Wesley, I have brought something to show you. Something for you to hear.
1: And what is that?
0: Well, when you called me last night, Mr. Collin, I was so upset. Everything had been going so well, and then to have him run away again. Anyway, I couldn't get back to sleep. So I went down to the basement, and I rummaged around among the old files, and I found this.
1: Uh,
0: A tape? Yes. We keep tapes at the orphanage of all the interviews we have with prospective parents and with the people who leave the their children for adoption. Well, this tape, this one goes back six years before I came to the orphanage. And it's a tape of Oh. Is it all right if I use this machine, Doctor? Yes,
1: go right ahead.
0: All right. Now I'll I'll just play you the part towards the end. It's the tape they had running when Mrs. Dealand came to leave Bobby.
3: You gotta take him out. kill him. Look, I'm a cheap prostitute. I live in one room. I have to send the kid out to play in the street while I'm conducting my business. Now, how long can I go on telling him it's his Uncle Charlie I got up in my room? And another thing, I I haven't got the greatest disposition in the world. And when I'm hungover, when my head hurts, I go crazy and, and I'm liable to to hit him. Uh, not just hit him. I'll hit him with anything that's handy. Yesterday, I hit him with my shoe. With a heel. My shoe. A spike heel this high. I mean, it doesn't have to be a shoe. I'll, I'll pick up anything and hit him with it. A, a frying pan. The belt off my dress. Anything that's handy.
0: <laughs> well... I wanted you to hear that, Mr. Carlin, because you said that Bobby had taken a belt at your house, and the woman last year said he took a frying pan.
1: He took a shoe of my wife's. I think we'd better go see if everything's all right. Uh, Come with me. He's right down the hall.
0: How in the world did his mother come to be here?
1: It's a long story, Mrs. Appleton. What?
0: How did he know she was here?
1: That's an even longer story. Here we are.
0: Is he in there with her?
1: Yes. Be quiet.
0: I brought you some
2: presents, Mother. Look. Here's a belt. And here's a frying pan. And here's a shoe. See, Mother? They're for you. With my love.
1: Mothers of the world, rejoice. For you are loved. Of course, in the human nature of things, you are simultaneously hated and by the same person. For no emotion as powerful as love can flourish unadulterated. Side by side with love goes hate. It is, you might say, a package deal. I'll be back shortly. Isn't our real life lived within ourselves? The posturing we do in full view of others, what is that but the antic behavior of a poor clown who needs to be applauded? The exterior life is really only incidental. Yet, we expend all our energy on it, while the interior life is left to its own devices, as though deeply ashamed of it. We wish to disown it. Our cast included Michael Tolan, Marion Seldes, Martha Greenhouse, Hetty Galen, and Gilbert Mack. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next
0: time, pleasant dreams.